There's Blake to Roy. This is for the Welcome into the Backyard Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Connor Scott, and joining me this evening, socially distant, of course, is Kyle. Over the phone, we got Tyler Bagenstoss, and making his third Backyard Blazers appearance is the one, the only, the real CVD, Corey Van Domlin. Corey, how you been doing since the last time we talked? I think that would be pre-quarantine, actually. It was absolutely pre-quarantine. I'm happy to be here. I've just been trying to Trying to maintain my distance, stay healthy, and stay safe. I'm sure much like you guys have, but I'm happy to be here and happy to have the Blazers back. That's exactly right. And, and what, was it was the last time Corey was on the fantasy draft? Yeah, I oh, believe yeah, it was. Yeah. His and team if, sucked. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about, go check out episode eight of the Backyard Blazers, where the ba- way the Backyard Blazers drafted a full six man with along with coaches, so seven spot all time Blazer fantasy draft. That was a lot of fun. Tyler's sister, Tana Bagenstoss, also joined on for that one, um, as well as Derek Sanger. That was a good time. And while you're at it, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Backyard Blazers. Again, that's at Backyard Blazers on Twitter and Instagram. We love to hear from you. And if you have any ideas or topics you want talked about, discussed on the pod, please reach out. We like to hear from you, and your ideas are always fresh. So at Backyard Blazers, Twitter and Instagram. Without further ado, fellas, let's get warmed up. Let's get stretched out. I'm going to run you through some layup lines. I sent you a couple of these questions ahead of time, okay? And I'm excited because I think these are pretty good ones to get us all warmed up in the flow of the game, in the flow of speaking to the mic a little bit. So the first one, and of course, we're going to start with our guest, Corey. And Tyler, I'm going to get over to you. I know you've got a little bit to say on the phone there. Uh, Corey, on vacation, what kind of role do you personally play? When I say that, you know, everyone has... Whether it be a family vacation, a bachelor party, X, L, I, Z, it doesn't really matter. You, we all know there's someone who makes the plan. There's a guy that goes with the flow. There's the people that want to be by the pool, the people that want to do activities. So, Corey, like, what kind of role are you playing when it comes to a vacation? I love this question. You know, uh, generally, I'm a pretty go-with-the-flow guy. I'm not one to ruffle feathers or what? or kind of take the yeah take the bull by the horns. <laughs> that, that being said, oh. okay, okay. That being said, though, I like to have at least one trick up my sleeve. I like to have one kind of dinner or one surprise or one adventure that I, you know, kind of take take the reins on the on the day or on the evening at least once. But I'm not I'm not big on kind of making an agenda for the whole entire trip. I kind of leave the, that one up to wifey. Well, She's more of the, the organizational one. <laughs> speaking of your wife, she does call you a one-trick pony as well. Um, but that, that actually shocks me, Corey, because I, I pictured you as the one that was kind of the planner and, and knowing you, kind of knowing the Van Domlin family, maybe um, always set to make a memory or do something big. I, I figured you would be a guy that's like, hey, the end of the Hawaii trip, Luau, we're there. Yeah. And I'm going to be, I'm going to win the limbo contest. It's like that kind of a thing. I figured that was more your role, but I like to hear you more go with the flow, take things as they come. Um, Tyler, we haven't gotten a chance to talk to you much yet. First of all, how you doing? Why are you talking to us over the phone? And then we'll get into what kind of vacationer you are. Yep. What a time to talk about vacations because I'm on a gorgeous one right now. Right now I'm sitting on a dock on the Deschutes River, Ooh. a little bit past Sun River, a little bit more towards Lapine. But it's oh. a beautiful spot on the Deschutes River. Um, Maybe the best part of I, Oregon, if, if I do say it, so myself. I mean, so gorgeous, safe. boys, gorgeous. Uh, but for the vacation role, I think it kind of depends on who you're with. So if I'm with my buddies and I'm with my girl and we're all, like, with our significant others, I feel like I'm more the, you know, crack a beer, 8 a.m. type of guy. Let's go. Let's get this party started. But on this type of family vacation, I'm more of a go with the flow. Go with the flow. I'm going to do what the girl wants to do. I'm going to do what the family wants to do. And then with Corey, there's no way Corey is a go with the flow guy. He's an absolute, <laughs> I think we no all way. caught that one. <laughs> Absolutely not. He's We're not going to let that slide. Third time guess. I mean, you don't get to just tell lies here. <laughs> no. If you think Corey's sitting down and taking a breather for five minutes, you're wrong. We're doing something now and then next. And then. He's got something lined up. So I, I appreciate that about guy. Him. Corey's that guy that like – 
like you said, you do that one big thing. There's that one big thing that I bet he does is where he like takes over the DJ, plays out, plays like this one <laughs> song that he knows like a full dance to the song to, and like does like a solo dance in front Very of everybody. Very Napoleon Dynamite ass. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> yeah. the bachelor moment. party. Everybody's wondering and, what the hell is going on, <laughs> <laughs> dude. It's seven other dudes in here. Um, Tyler, oh, no, I mean. Keep going, keep going. Information to back that up, really. It's just based off personality. I just would guess that. But if he says he's a go with the flow guy, he's a go with the flow guy. I mean, I'm just going to let it out there. And but no, I'm having a great time cracking a beer right now on the dock and uh, enjoying my time. And and Tyler, during my little show prep here, I'm glad to hear you say that because I had you pegged as what I called the R&R vacationer. Uh, rest and recovery, of course. And that just meaning... <laughs> Tyler's going to party with you all day and night, but you got to get him his sleep and you need to get him a breakfast. If he's rested and he's recovered, <laughs> he's down for anything. If you keep him up and then keep him hungry, you're going to have a nightmare on your hands. That, that dude, Connor, what? You know, I'm not I, wrong. I, no, no, you're spot on. I'm all day, but it's nine o'clock. I'm out. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Kyle, I want to go right to you. What kind of vacationer are you? And then I'll, I'll give you my opinion on what I thought you'd pick. Oh, I'm glad I'm glad I'm going to get your opinion of me. Um, <laughs> Well, I just got back from vacation, just spent a little over a week in Montana, so I kind of got a good feel for this. I am I was with the GS family, so I do feel like that has an impact on how I'm going to act compared to, as Tyler was mentioning, if you're with your friends, you're gonna, I'm going to be a very different person. I was very much the go-with-the-flow guy with my girlfriend's family. I'm not going to be like, oh, let's go do this or that when none of these people I'm related to. I'm obviously really close to my girlfriend, but like a lot of her extended family, I'm not going to be trying to, you know, boss them around and be like, let's go do this. So very much go with the flag guy there. If I'm with my boys, it's kind of hard to say. It's gonna, it's definitely going to depend on how much energy I have, but I can be a combination of like the partier and Connor, you have this one, the move people along guy. I feel like that one kind of fits me a little bit. I'm definitely not going to be making the plans, but if we have a plan set, I could see myself like, hey, we said we we're going to go do this. Let's go do this now. We're taking forever or something like that. So I feel like I'm, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I've got a lot of traits when it comes to being a vacation guy, Connor. I'm curious what you got to say here. No, and I, I definitely had move along for you too because I, I think you're often the guy that like will call an Uber for us or just has that internal clock kind of going of like, okay, we've been here about an hour. Let's move on to the next place or however it may fall. Um, what I had for you was the inside joke guy. And by that, I mean that you're going to be a part of all the group's jokes and you're going to be a key factor in determining what's going to be that inside joke that keeps the group text going for the next two months. Because after every good bros trip, there's a group text that we all know like is hot for like three, four weeks, and then it fizzles every bachelor party we've been to. Kyle's going to be the guy that definitely pegs what the inside joke is and uses it well uh, throughout those couple weeks and earns his reputation there. Um, I'll take that. That could have gone worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, nothing grilling you this time. Uh, for myself, I, I think it's easy. I'm high energy, but I'm just the hype man. Whatever, whatever the <laughs> scheduler plans, I'm going to boost that up times 10. It comes from a lot of experience with my family where if an activity is planned, uh, it's not really a choice anymore. We're going on the activity, so you might as well get behind it. So I think uh, you're all in. I'm all in. Whatever I'm told that plan for that day is, I'm gonna be way too excited about it, and probably making sure like, all right. So the next thing is this like 50 times, and then getting everyone as juiced as I can about it. I can usually deal with like one or two people in the group that are moody, but as long as the the vibe is overall good, <laughs> you're gonna see me in, as the hype man there. That's pretty accurate. Yeah, actually. Connor, Connor, before. Before we move along, can we talk about the way you say vacation? It's called vacation. It's not a vacation. It's Wait, vacation. Dude, I, I say vacation the way everyone oh, says vacation. Geez, that's not No, right. it's vacation. Yeah. yeah what, Tyler, what am I doing wrong? Oh, I obviously don't hear it. It's every... only been 25 years, and I've never Wait, been told this Wait, are you agreeing once. with Connor, Corey? No, right, I'm whatever. with Tyler. Yeah, I'm with You're Tyler so on this wrong. one, too. It's vacation. So Thank you. Thank you. Instead yeah. of focusing on my flaws, let's focus on Pods Tom, who is not here. <laughs> Another <laughs> camping weekend for him. Um, Pods Tom uh, got to enjoy. I think he was out near Bend as well, Tyler, so you had a little company, although you didn't know it. For Tom, I've been on vacation with him a couple times. What I had written down for him is loyal to the vibe. Tom is, oh. and by that, obviously, we all know Pod's Tom. He's going to go with the flow, but he's never going to slow you down if you're looking to do a lot of activities, but he's also never going to be the guy that's like, why are we just sitting around the pool? Why aren't we enjoying our time here? If that's what the vibe is, he's all good with it. A chameleon of sorts. Yeah. That yeah, being said, the An vibe's bad. Role. Tom's not willing or not too afraid to pitch in there too. I mean, if, if everyone's having a bad time, so is Tom. So he's, he's loyal to the vibe. Uh, he's loyal to the vibe. All right, let's uh, let's make or let's go ahead and move on to our next warm up here. Our next layup line, um, sticking with the theme of stereotypes. I, I like this one as well. 
what is the one office stereotype when you're starting a job, even if you've been in it a couple months, that you really want to avoid being? The one, you know, that sticks out to you personally in your own experiences or that you've heard of from, you know, war stories of your friends and family. What's the one office stereotype you really want to avoid? Kyle, I want to start with you here. This is this is so easy for me. And I think if Corey, I know you and Ty are a little bit more blue collar in your guys' line of work, but if any of you have ever worked in an office before, there is always one of these people in your office. And it's the person that cannot read the vibe of a room. The person that comes in, like, say everyone's just, like, getting their work done, not really talking much. It's early in the morning. Like, we just got to work. We all have our coffee, so we're slowly, like, building up. And they come in just nonstop talking. And they don't read the fact that clearly no one else in the room wants to be talking right now. So just shut the fuck up. Like, I can There are so... So many people that do this and it's so annoying and it just it bothers me because it's like who who can just like Connor you're a little bit like this in non in non serious settings it's like you can just talk you can just go and like it doesn't really matter if anyone's responding it could be a brick wall you can keep going right, thank you. but when it's in a professional <laughs> environment I think it's that much more annoying because it's like look I'm trying to actually do shit <laughs> we're just sitting around doing nothing Connor you're doing that that's kind of that fits with your vacation uh, vacation guy <laughs> you're, like, you're the guy you're the hype man you're trying to get everyone going but when it's like professional setting clearly no one wants to talk to you right now just shut up like i can't i can't stress <laughs> and, enough. and although uh, this would normally feel like a personal attack i actually couldn't agree more because um at work i'm very quiet when it's not my time to talk i'm not like i am out bullshit work. no tyler no i actually could see if, that if Corey gets that. to go with the flow on vacations and i can be quiet at work <laughs> i'll allow it <laughs> Corey, kyle that was a great start and I, I can't agree more and i think being young professionals especially you get an extra dose of this because I can remember like my first couple meetings when it's quiet you're wondering like oh is this an opportunity to stand out no everyone's quiet because it's Monday at 8 and you need to just shut up for like two hours tell everyone drink some coffee yeah. and like wakes up with the sun a little at bit at least one cup like at it, least. like come on man like if, it, <laughs> right. two cups if the office for coffee me. hasn't been made you shouldn't be communicating um Corey want to go over to you here yeah, so this one, this one is tough, and I and I like I like where your head's at a lot, and I feel similarly because in my line of work, like you guys mentioned, is it's a construction, and being kind of where I'm at, and I'm sure you guys can relate to this. I'm kind of a sports guy, so anytime anybody's around me, it's like, so how about um, <laughs> Blazers, huh, man? And I'm like, and usually you know August wouldn't you know we wouldn't have anything to talk about. I'd be like, yeah, crazy, huh? Like, you know, there's a lot, plenty to talk about now, but when they, they just, all they want to do is small talk all the time. And small there's talk. just, it's just vapid, empty conversation, just talking to hear yourself talk. I literally cannot stand small talk guy. And it's like, you're just, you're just communicating, you're just <laughs> making noise about nothing. It could be weather. All you want, like you see me and you're like, oh my God, um, sports, baseball, blazers, um, anything but work. And it just drives me up a wall when you're trying to do something or like, well, in, in construction, you're going to need your focus 100% of the time. And so I can't imagine doing what you're doing and someone's chattering in your ear and you're like, hey, if I mess this up, you know, that's kind of a big deal. So could you just give me 20 yeah. seconds here to yeah. finish? Well, but- and there, there are plenty of times to talk and like, I'm not going to act like we're just, you know, nose to the grindstone all the time. Like we're regular people and there's times to talk, but like, like kind of like you guys are saying when it's not the time to talk and you're just hearing yourself make noise and you know clearly the person is uninterested in stimulating the conversation it just drives me up a wall and you know but i'm way too polite to like say anything <laughs> yeah. i'll i'll 100 play into it and be like oh i don't know yeah hey go blazers man yeah. wild I, <laughs> i'm with you there i'm i'm 100 percent way too yeah. non-confrontational in a <laughs> yes, work setting to exactly. ever think that i need to uh, do anything but be polite if right. possible um tyler I know you sometimes yes. feel different. Uh, how, what would you say is the one office stereotype you would want to avoid? Well, I think or we're all kind of thinking about. Yeah, I think we're all kind of thinking about the same thing of like a person who talks too much. First of all, Kyle, total ricochet shot on Connor. I loved it. <laughs> um, yeah, that was some bullshit. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Corey, like some just... course cold take, Kyle. <laughs> Corey, uh, Corey, it just sounds like you have an issue with one of your coworkers. Maybe you just yeah, like, there's one of many guy. of them. There's many one guy in them. all our heads. Yeah. Or girls. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's not Richmond, but um, <laughs> no, did I, I didn't say that, did I? <laughs> but to me, no, I'm, I've never, I want to go off the office vibes like you said, Con. But to me, it's the guy who doesn't know when not to talk and that can go in a, in a lot of different ways in a lot of different situations. But if you're sitting at your computer and you're doing some work and it clearly looks like you're doing some work, 
Like, what makes you think it's a good time to come up and talk to someone? And also, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee, bro. So, uh, I mean, little, I, I think it's a guy... little bit of a retweet. And one thing I kind of want to add on to this, because it seems to be the theme of the discussion, is you would think this wouldn't carry over into the remote work environment. <laughs> yeah, Kyle's ready. Looking up a froth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I see the steam. Um, so, it, it sounds like that's a pretty resounding, the guy who can't read the room. And just to add a couple more uh, as it comes over to me here... I think one that really sticks out to me, and it's kind of a lighthearted one, but is the, oh, just book some time on my calendar enthusiast. The person <laughs> oh, where yeah. you you just want to email back and forth real quick and discuss something that could take two or three back and forth emails. But instead, it's like, oh, yeah, just find 15 minutes on my calendar. Like, hey, if you want to talk, why don't you find the 15 minutes on the calendar? It's like <laughs> people of equal status even or whatever. It's like, come on. No one wants to have a meeting in the first place. Now we're working from home. So, no, I don't want to Zoom call you. I know you're lonely, <laughs> but I don't want to Zoom call you. And and it seems like some people just fall into a habit. The other ones I was going to say, uh, and these kind of fall into the same line, the stress head or the micromanager, it's just like, hey, we if you're uh, – at least if they're in the same position or you know exactly kind of what their day-to-day is because it's like, hey, I know what you do because we do the same thing. You're taking that too serious. You're not going to get promoted <laughs> for the weekly report that a uh, computer spits out to you, like if you have a missing period. <laughs> it's just, it's so, all automated, bro. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there's times where I totally get it. You have to be, you know, thinking about yourself and your future. But other times I'm like, hey, this is probably the time to just do your work but in a relaxed manner. Um, let's switch our mindset here, get it a little bit more on the round ball and the bubble itself. Uh, and this last layup line is going to be our non-Blazer basketball question, and that being which non-Blazer has impressed you most with their play in the bubble? Tyler, I want to go to you first. A lot of good options, a lot of guys who maybe you didn't expect to step up that carried their teams, um, as well as some of the guys we're used to seeing in the MVP race, continue to perform the way we would expect. Yep. Who, who, who is your most impressive non-Blazer in the bubble? Yeah, uh, I'm just going to go to more of an obvious one, and that being Devin Booker carrying the Phoenix Suns to an 8-0. Not named Miller. Yeah, so 8-0 in the bubble, an absolute stud, hit a game winner on the Clippers over Paul George. You got to love that. You absolutely have to love that. Um, no, but the guy's an absolute freak. I mean, he can he can carry a team. He's got the ability to kind of cross someone up at the last second and make a game winning shot. And what he came into the league kind of being like just a sharpshooter, you know. But no, he's way more than that. Way more than that. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily a point guard, but he's really good off the ball and then able to dribble drive off that. So I'm going to go D-book on this one. And, and Corey, Tyler makes a lot of good points, probably takes the most obvious choice off the board. Who would you go to um, as your most impressive non-Blazer in the bubble? So I got a couple. I, I had Booker there, but I kind of I wanted to go somebody who wasn't a big name. Guys who, you know, were good already in the bubble. John Moran, Jalen Brown, those guys were all, uh, to me, kind of established. Like, I knew they were good players. But some of the guys who surprised me that I really had never kind of take notice of, Brandon Clark and then Matisse Thybul. Yeah, both those guys, their games, man. I do not. I know I took two, so sorry, but oh, the, that's totally both fine. those guys. I I was looking at them, going, man, I would kill to have them on the Blazers. Well, and Clark, Brandon, Clark, Brandon Clark, notably one pick away from falling to the Blazers this year in the draft. Kyle, yeah. obviously a Gonzaga grad as well. Um, what what you have to have some words for Corey when he says Brandon Clark. I saw you scowl there. I mean, he killed us in the play in game, yep. which we'll get to, but. Uh, do you follow kind of the similar feeling there? Yeah, he was going to be my selection, and I didn't think anyone else was going to say him. So I, I was, uh, Corey, hats off to you. Did your research? Um, big Brandon Clark Four guy. Was a um, lot of research really, in my face. like I, I believe I was texting. It was either on the phone or texting with Connor during the draft when we had a shot at getting him because he kept falling. He was projected as like a late lottery pick, and he fell to I believe twenty one or twenty or something like that. Yeah, and I was like, dude, I'm telling you, this kid is something special in terms like not only like he he developed so much in his um in his redshirt year at Gonzaga in terms of his ability to score in different ways like when he was at I believe it was San Jose State before Gonzaga before he transferred he really was just like a super athletic guy that could basically just dominate everyone in that conference because no one else was really that good but he developed like that floater shot and even like a small jump shot at Gonzaga and obviously he's continued to develop it now that he's raining threes in the NBA so a guy that I knew was going to see success in the NBA just because he fits that current NBA big mold where he's like, he's not super tall. He's six, nine, I believe, but just super athletic can jump. He probably got like a 42 inch vertical dude can jump out of the building. So he had all the tools physically. And I was just like, if that kid, you know, 
find we can you know, nab him somehow. If, yeah. if we can nab him, I was I would have yeah. been super excited. So shout out to him for that. But I guess for my guy, I'll just I'll just say T.J. Warren. Damn it, he stole my life. <laughs> yeah, just because I'll just take another one off the board there. Well, but another guy that you know obviously was a good player before the bubble, but you know really almost became like a superstar in the bubble itself. I mean, the way he was producing in the bubble was superstar stature. And I think TJ Warren's a guy we've seen, as Kyle mentioned, prove himself in the league to be a scorer, especially if you're going to swing him in that six man, maybe third scorer on a team. But what he did in these eight games was nothing short of superstar play. And, and I think maybe sets the tone for him in the playoffs as he squares off against kind of arch nemesis these days, Jimmy Butler. That's going to be a really, I think, a sneaky series that I'm excited mm-hmm. to watch. Um, those those wrapped up all the players I wanted to cover that were kind of under the radar. So I'm just also going to mention Luca and Harden, both of those guys in Texas, mm-hmm. um, really continued to perform at uh, extremely high levels. And, and not that we're surprised by that, but just to continue seeing those two have the ball on such a string, especially Luca at such a young age um, and kind of not being the fastest guy or anything. It's kind of fun to watch, but um, Harden always amazing to watch despite how you may feel about him as a fan. Uh, let's move right along into Blazer talk. That was some good warm up there. I think we are all uh, stretched out and ready to go. So for tip off here, let's go and recap the Blazers last three games. We went three and zero. But it felt like we went through three absolute battles. The Blazers beat the Mavericks 134-131. Nets 134-133 on a shot that scared us all for a playoff spot. And then beat the Grizzlies in the first play-in game to move on and officially clinch that eight seed. 126-122. Corey, want to go to you here. These last three games since we've released our podcast were so stressful. The three most stressful congruent games I remember watching as a Blazer fan since, I don't even know when, it, uh, a la a playoff series, but yep. maybe even a little more with what was on the line. It was literally win or leave the bubble. What were your kind of experiences through uh, these last three thrillers, three thrillers? Yeah, they were obviously, like like you mentioned, tightly contested games, all games that the Blazers kind of jumped out and had a good pace, had good rhythm to their offense, seemingly uh, um, you know, took a healthy comatose nap in the third quarter. And then found their legs again in the fourth, thanks to you know whether it was Dame, Nurk, CJ picking us up. A um, couple, uh, well, actually, one big stat uh, as you mentioned, you know, one thirty four to one thirty one, and then one forty one thirty four to one thirty three in those two games, which um, kind of makes our magic number one thirty four two and zero now when we score one hundred and thirty four points. Um, <laughs> always a good strategy to rolling. go for the one thirty four. Right, again, you know, every team stat. in the locker that, room. That's kind of our game. magic number. Hey, you, you're you scoring one hundred eighty points, you're probably going to win the game. Right, thank you. These, these are important <laughs> numbers to keep track of as we head into a big series. Um, but yeah, they they were very fun to watch. I love to see the one of the things that kind of caught my eye is not to say that the Blazers. Um, you know, had a, had a lack of effort during the season, but there definitely seemed to be a degree of dysfunction or uh, disconnectedness kind of between execution, effort, uh, chemistry, a lot of different things throughout the season. And it seemed like there was many opportunities to fall back away from each other in these three games. And it seemed like kind of the shit hit the fan. And instead of falling apart, instead of pointing fingers, they really came together. And that was pretty fun to watch. I don't know if Anybody's uh, if you guys had had a chance to read any of Jason Quick's articles, obviously he's a big Blazer guy and been a longtime writer. But you know that kind of adds to the the uh, magic, kind of the feeling of this team of destiny that we uh, that we're kind of all feeling. But that's those are the things that I picked up on. I'll let you guys kind of expound on that. But yeah, and Kyle Corey mentioned right there how when the goings got tough in these last couple games, the tough have got going, and that's been the Blazers. So I I want to know kind of your thoughts on what's been the spark because. As we remember, Corey just mentioned this as well, right before quarantine, this was a team that was extremely talented, the same level of talent obviously we're seeing now, excluding Yusuf Nurkic and a little bit of Zach Collins, but really kind of had the same mold, the same um, overall idea and how they were going to execute and win ball games. but you just see a lot more fight. And is it the renew, restart to the season and it being such a condensed time frame? Is it something with the roster? What are your thoughts here? I think it, a lot of it has to do with the roster in terms of our shooting abilities. I think when you have a team, when we run that lineup with CJ, uh, Dame, Gary Trent, and Mello, it's like you really have four elite shooters at that point. And I think what we haven't had in the past, and like this is no disrespect whatsoever to Mo and Aminu because we could really use them on the defensive end right now because that's been horrific. But, uh, but in those close games in the fourth quarter, I think having the ability to really spread the floor and not have – 
have to rely on Dame and CJ to get open for a shot that's most likely going to go in is we have Melo and Gary have been so huge for us in that manner. And I think that's honestly how we've been able to climb our way back into those games into the fourth quarters after those third quarter lulls is our shooting. And it's obviously Melo, it's, 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 you know, We've all seen the highlights. He's hit many clutch shots. Gary Trent Jr. has all the confidence in the world right now to pull, even if there's a hand in his face. I think that has made such a tremendous difference in this team compared to our prior year teams. And it's exciting going into the playoffs knowing that we have a team that can shoot this well because in reality, like if you have that that a team that can shoot the lights out, it's you have a chance in every game. And whether or not your defense sucks or not, which, no offense, ours is pretty poor. Well, it sucks. It, it really sucks. sucks. Um, it's okay. It, it's nice knowing... like. It's Race nice knowing that we still have a shot is because it, because we can put up 134 points and still win a game and still steal a couple games. So um, I would say our shooting ability has been the, the thing that I've noticed the most. And, and Tyler, going over to you here, you know, this is obviously the first time we've ever seen a play-in game within the NBA in this weird format that we have um, thanks, uh, or thanks to uh, COVID-19 here. But within the bubble, there was obviously a lot of intensity that came along with it. The Mavericks game definitely counted towards us making the playoffs, but I want you to focus in on your feelings in that Nets game when you were watching Karis LeVert wind the clock down with the Blazers' season on the line. Uh, can you can you walk me through where your head at, was at, where your heart was at, kind of what your vision for what was going to happen? Um, just fill me in on what that felt like watching the Blazers' season come down to the last 12 seconds. Well, Connor, I was scared shitless. Um, I was I was expecting Karis Levert to drive the basket, drive to the basket because it would have been an automatic two points. He's been doing it all game. Then when he ended up stepping back, I was like, okay, we actually maybe have a chance. You know, 50-50 ended up we getting the rebound. And I think all of that game it was a culmination of just the effort that it took to get to that point. We just beat the Mavs on a close game. We had one more game to win to, to secure that eight seed, and we got it done. And the key is we got it done. And we ha- yeah we're horrible at defense but timely defensive possessions when that counts like dame diving on the floor and stealing it at the last second against was that the mavs boys uh i believe that was the nets okay when, well when either go, way yeah. go for the steal that was the Nets. Yes. Yeah, yeah yeah but it, it's an offensive league right now we can all agree on that and when you're able to put up 130 points plus a night if you're able to just have a couple timely defensive plays when it comes down to the fourth quarter you, you never know what can happen. And especially in a bubble situation like this where guys can get hot. So, yeah, we lose the, like, not having Mona Minus tough. Like, they had, they're much better defensively. And even then, like, what were we, middle of the pack? So I'd rather just go, fuck, let's go 32, worst defensive, and then let's have four, to sh- four shooters on the side. And not see a bad what point. we can do. Not a bad point. So um, let, let's just go. And like Kyle said earlier in a group text, I think it was last week, our defense is our offense. So let's just score more points than them and make timely a few, a handful of timely defensive plays. And I, I'll ride with that. I'll ride with it because that's what we're stuck with. And Colin, real quick, uh, what was our record to get into the playoffs? It was six and two. Kyle, <laughs> oh, I believe that is exactly what you said we would need to do. And not only were you correct, but it actually grabbed us the eight seed. Um, and along with the eight seed was that advantage in the play in game, Corey. And, how did you feel with this new format? Is the play-in game here to stay? And then can you explain, obviously, the first time in NBA history, so as a fan of the 8 seed, just walk us through how the general NBA might expect to feel in coming years as we expect this format to continue. So, I mean, in my opinion, I, I doubt this is ever going away with how great yeah. it has been just in the bubble. I, I highly doubt it's uh, going away, but I am uh, maybe of the unpopular opinion that I don't love it. I like, oh, I like interesting. It, I like it for this uh, setting, obviously, because it benefited us. And the Blazers, but in the big picture, I think an 82-game season and seven-game series in the playoffs every game, they, they went away from the five-game series in the first round um, a few years back. And I think one more game in a, in a setting that has playoff intensity, playoff uh, implications, and to have that nine seed, a lot of times you look at, like, you know, Eastern and Western Conference both, sometimes that nine seed is not particularly close or in the same kind of stratosphere. Sometimes it is. And you get a hot team, you get, again, I think it, for the bubble, it was a great call, but I don't think moving forward it would be something that I would particularly look forward to. But right. I, I understand the financial implications as well in terms of the NBA wanting to make money and, you know. And and it could have a little bit of an impact on tanking because if you're sure. keeping that three-and-a-half game buffer all of a sudden, the 11 through 9 seed are also still continuing to put forth their best efforts, mm-hmm. maybe clean up some of that last two weeks when we are playing a full 82-game season. But mm-hmm. to Corey's point, there's already so many basketball games in a year on these guys and on their bodies that um, just – 
adding more intensity in another playoff environment, uh, you can only imagine what that's going to do. Um, after I mean, Corey, a season full to, of fatigue. Go ahead, Ty. Sorry, Con. Um, it just seems like every game has been like a playoff game. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it's just because it's the Blazers and that all the games mattered so much, which it probably is that case. But I think I've had so too. much. I've had so much fun watching it because of that reason. And then, yeah, I, I, I'll get into it later. But I, I've loved it so far. Mm-hmm. And, and a note of the bubble, obviously a huge note coming out of the NBA this week is our very own Damian Lillard, named the MVP of the regular season. Um, well-deserved. He was the leading scorer in the bubble, averaging about 37 points per game and notably leading the Blazers to a 4-0 record following that little dust-up on social media with Patrick Beverly and Paul George. Uh, you love to see that. Carmelo Anthony went on to say that Damian Lillard is the best player he's played with in his career. And this includes Olympic players, LeBron James, Tim... Do- no, I'm just kidding. He just said the NBA career. But notable on that list is Allen <laughs> Iverson. Um, and I just want to say, uh, this is something I've been texting a couple people about, but I-, I think Damian Lillard is showing that he is basically today's modern Allen Iverson. I mean, the way he carries Portland at the guard position in terms of his scoring and kind of what he's asked to do on a night-to-night basis. Um, very interesting that Melo provides a unique perspective he's actually calling Dame the better player that wasn't Philadelphia AI to be very very fair to no, the great like great Allen Iverson the answer but wow. does that but does that not include uh Paul George that includes James Harden right that includes yeah, Russell, Russell Westbrook. Westbrook yeah so that, the three guys that well I wouldn't put Harden that but Paul George and Russell in particular the two guys that we kind of have a rivalry with it seems as such I didn't but, even yeah. realize that a little side shot at Paul George there too um, I, I don't think we need this. This podcast tends to spend quite a bit of time on Damian Lillard, so I don't think we need to expand much on what we've seen out of him. Uh, well, Corey, did, he, did he miss a free throw after that? Uh, after that Clippers, game? I don't believe I don't think so. he did. I'm pretty sure he went like 38 of 38 or something. That, I just threw out that yeah, number. I, I don't think that's, that's right. But. And because Matt Yarbrough was sitting there with me watching the game against the Grizzlies, going, I don't think he's missed a free throw since. And at the time, he was like nine for nine, and I was like, Matt, what? Very next. He got off. into the 30s. <laughs> I believe he got into the 30s. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> jinx that! <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable in this big of a moment. Anyway, yeah. sorry, Con. I just want. Shout I, out I Matt felt Yates. like the, the people needed to know. Alrighty, and and let's move on to our next little Blazer topic here, and we're bringing back the Blazer Gulag. This, of course, is when a Portland player or something that happened within Rip City's games in the last week, uh, kind of kind of deserves to be sent to the Call of Duty Modern Warfare Gulag. And, and they need to earn their way back to the team or, or we need to figure it out in some sort of way to return to the squad. Um, Tyler, I'm going to go ahead and start with you for this one. Who are you sending to the Blazer Gulag this week? All right, now the Gulag isn't always a bad thing, right, boys? It's just no, you just got to earn your way back. It's, just, it's a second totally. chance. Yep, and most of the time they're back. And, and that is what I believe Zach Collins will be doing, and he is my Gulag player. And really it just comes down to the offensive end for me. He plays great on – I love him on defense. I love the way he moves his feet. He can guard uh, the guards on other teams, good perimeter defense. He keeps his hands straight up down on the low post. But when it comes to the offensive end, it seems like he's almost tripping over his own feet, like he's moving a little too quick. I just want him to take a deep breath and really get your legs into it and hit down a, knock, uh, a jumper. Um, and then, especially in the low post, I don't know, Kyle, if he did this at Gonzaga. He looks like he doesn't have much – touch right now around the rim that couldn't like he could definitely get that back but it seems like he's just kind of throwing it off the backboard almost or or bringing it up short so this week zach collins is my gulag player of the week but i know that he'll be back and ready for action all righty i think that's a good choice as you were saying that Corey was over here uh mouthing catch the ball because i think we've all grown a little tired of seeing zach fumble a couple of those nice passes Corey, who are you looking at to send to the gulag this week yeah, I mean, again, I I agree with the the Collins take. I think he he definitely needs to work his way back into uh, I don't want to say good graces, but into the the regular rotation. Um, another guy that I'm not particularly high on, but gave us some good minutes until he fizzled out as per usual is Hassan Whiteside, a guy <laughs> who again very key and especially in the Nets game when Nurk got in foul trouble and gives us a nice little uh, nice little plug once Nurk has to leave the floor. But again, a guy that gets the ball in certain situations and seemingly just goes brain dead and just has no move, doesn't face <laughs> up to the basket, doesn't kind of breaks the flow of the offense, the, the movement of the ball, the movement of the players becomes stagnant. And as a result, it's usually like that third quarter, late, you know, late third quarter after the starters come out that we see a huge lull. And again, the stuff, the good stuff he does is so valuable. 
and it's so great when he can protect the rim and he's not chasing blo- without chasing blocks or sacrificing defensive position. But when he's chasing blocks and giving up backside lay-ins or open threes or holding the ball at the high post without a real clue as to where where the picks are coming or anything like that or running into Dame after a pick and roll as opposed to rolling away, that's when we just as a team cannot get out of our own way when Hassan is on the floor and not playing well. And and Kyle, I know you've often shared a little frustration with Hassan. It comes up quite a bit. Um, is that who you are sending to the Gulag? Corey just lined out quite a few good, respectful reasons why he's looking at Hassan there. So you know there's not as much bias as maybe is put on it. Um, what who are, who are you sending? I'm actually not sending Hassan. I'm actually agreeing with Tyler. I'm sending Zach to the Gulag. Um, wow, that's big. I, I think, yeah, I think Tyler laid out pretty much all the same reasons. And Ty, uh, you asked a question. He does have touch around the rim. I just think right I know now, he does. I know he does. I think you nailed it. I think he's playing a little too fast on offense. It's like he de- he's not getting into his rhythm. He's not gathering the ball in the post. Instead, he's like he's getting the ball and trying to make him an immediate move, and then he gets a little yes. out of control. And I think it. I think that a lot of that might have to do with just. He wants to be a contributor so badly, and he knows he's capable yep. of being a contributor. So he's just trying to force it. And you know, for a young guy who missed a lot of time in the regular season, it's it's yep. a little bit understandable, especially when our when we really only have three guys that we play down low. And when when Hassan or Nurk are playing poorly, like which Nurk himself had a couple game or had a couple game stretches where he wasn't making his offensive baby hooks, and he usually his money with those. But a lot of that yep. probably has to do with the fact that they haven't been playing, and so I think there's a little bit of a sense of urgency for him to try and be established on offense, and I think he's trying to do a little too much instead of letting the game come to him. So I'm going to put him yep. in the gulag this week, um, but obviously I'm very confident he'll get back out. So. And and I'm just gonna go ahead and go quickly here and compound on kind of what everyone has said. I'm I'm putting the Blazers third quarters in the gulag because that has just been pain in visual form to watch. It's been something um that I haven't experienced in quite a while since March to be exact. And I think a lot of it has to do with what Corey outlined earlier about the second unit coming in and how much different the defense looks, kind of the direction on the court. A lot of the times it turns into a little more of what I'd call like sloppier basketball than you'd see when uh, you have Dame leading the charge along with Nurk patrolling the post. But either way, I think um, the Blazers did what they need to do. It's hard to complain about a lot when they end the regular season and play in game at 4-0. and um, So with that, let's take a quick look at that Blazers injury report. We were mentioning Zach Collins in that last segment. Um, he's listed as out, I believe, for game one officially. Yep. With, is it an ankle injury? I, I forget. Or I I, think that's I, him I, and Nasir are both out. Him and Nasir are both out, an that ankle hurts. injury. And is it still dehydration? Can someone explain that to me? what's going on with Nas. I don't, I don't know. think anyone knows. Uh, like, it's it got to be something serious. But... Like, I mean, you'd think it's something more serious than just like what we would picture as dehydration Maybe taking he's got the this runs. long. Yeah, that is very serious. Nobody fucks with diarrhea. Shout out Jimmy Ray. (laughs) No one (laughs) fucks with diarrhea. Um, CJ McCollum also uh, broke his back. Spinal. Um, Spinal. (laughs) (laughs) What do we think about uh, CJ's play? That was pretty good. Since since announcing uh, the fracture in his back, he looks like he's going to be able to continue on. And and with that, looked really good at the end of closing out in that play-in game. Obviously, uh, let everyone know that John Morant cannot fucking guard him. Um, That was exciting to see on back-to-back occasions after Dame told everyone to uh, put some respect on the name. I mean, that's the baddest backcourt in basketball right now. Uh, yep. Ty, I want to go to you here. CJ and his yeah. back, you have any concerns or has he showed that he's going to be able to play through it enough for you? I mean, once the news came out, he went up and played like 40 plus minutes and got a, a couple clutch buckets at the end of the game. So honestly, I'm not too concerned and he doesn't seem too concerned. And then I want to like, is this like a broken back? What? Like, how are you supposed to play? I, I don't know if it's entirely a broken back or has anyone known like exactly what it is? Like, a disc out of place or like does it just need to go get it cracked at the chiropractor like what's going on here boys I, i've heard micro fracture and i've heard i don't okay, know i don't okay. know if there's any truth to this but i just heard i can't remember if i read this on twitter or if someone told me but it was like apparently guys have these happen more frequently than we're aware of much and better so, than the macro fracture yes the I'm macro told. fracture would not be good that, <laughs> it's much bigger sorry for using the correct but, term um, see, <laughs> um see scott i'm not i'm not too worried as long as he keeps producing, but I mean, we still got a lot of games to play. So, I hopefully, hopefully, he's getting his rest and um, we're, we're able to see CJ finish it out healthy. 
And speaking of a lot of games to play, that brings us to the playoff preview. Blazers, of course, claim the eight seed by beating Memphis 126-122 on Saturday. Corey, they will face the Lakers tomorrow. LeBron James, Anthony Davis await on the other side of the tip. Uh, I mean, what are your initial thoughts going into this series? Um, obviously a tall, tall task ahead. I think the one thing Rip City's good at is convincing ourselves we can find a way. Mm -hmm. Tell me you found a way. (laughs) I mean, absolutely, I found a way. (laughs) We're a Blazers podcast, so I hope you found a fucking way. Sir. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, as a, as a huge fan, you always kind of start playing the mental gymnastics uh, to see how we're going to how we're going to find a way. And I think after a couple of regular season games, we all kind of go back to, you know, what's worked, what has not obviously that game after Kobe passed R.I.P. Um, that Dame went off for 16, had a great game. And that was without Nurk. You know, that was without Collins. Um, that being said, though, some of the things that I'm concerned and looking for the Blazers to shore up uh, in terms of our problems, kind of the obviously the pick-and-roll defense in terms of having um, a pretty good pick-and-roll combo of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's an area that I'd, I would say is uh, of concern. Rather have Nurk and Dame. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> sure would. The, the tricky thing about this matchup is seemingly their weaknesses align with our strengths and our strengths align uh, what am i saying here? yeah yeah you get what i'm saying their strengths align with our weaknesses and our strengths align with their weaknesses in terms of us having strong guard play and you know uh, guys who can create and they have you know bigs and a dynamic small forward who can defend do it all and we don't have that as much in terms of uh, being able to match up yep. and i don't think, sure. i think the depth is honestly not as a, not as much of a concern in my mind but it is certainly something i'm excited for because i'm excited to see you know, how a playoff LeBron handles the Western Conference and kind of how Dame manages the game and if he comes out guns blazing or if he does his typical, you know, we'll go light pick and roll, see if we can get Collins going, see if we get Nurk in a, in a high post situation or a, or a spot up three for CJ in the corner or does Dame immediately try to get to the rack as he did in some of those last few uh, bubble games and, you know, really kind of light the world on fire via Damien, you know, so. And, and Tyler, um, unfortunately... Yep. LeBron James is someone we're all familiar with, but Portland especially <laughs> has uh, some damaging nightmares of Anthony Davis as well. A, a sweep, of course, when he was with the Pelicans back in, I believe, what was 2015 or 16. We don't talk um, about that. Yep. We don't, as Corey just said, we don't talk about that one because that was maybe the toughest playoff series to watch just in terms of getting demolished. Yep. Is Tell me you found something that's going to change for Anthony Davis as he faces Portland this time. Well, I think that Dame and the team has learned from that situation, but uh, I'll tell you how the Blazers are going to be taking on the Lakers and destroying them. So each of these eight games that the Blazers have played have come down to the wire. I mean, there hasn't been a game that hasn't been intense or come down to the last second. And what that has caused is not only players like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum to step up, but our ancillary players like Gary Trent. I'm even going to put Melo in that situation, but they have to be able to make clutch shots, and they have been making those clutch shots. So when I'm looking at the Lakers, they, they, yeah, they've been playing tough games and they've been playing tight games, but they lost a couple. And something that we've been seeing is guys like Danny Green have been shooting. I mean, I know that he's a sharpshooter and he'll probably get it back, but I don't think that their three, four fifth best, best players have been having to make big plays as of recent. And then especially with all of the time off that we had before the end of the season and COVID hit. So I think the Blazers are already ramped up to that playoff level and where the Lakers might have to get to that level. Maybe maybe it'll take a quarter. Maybe it'll take a game. Hopefully it takes four games and the Blazers sweep. So um, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for the Blazers to go tomorrow and really look to take advantage. And hopefully they can get out ahead and really uh, give us a jump start. And then also one last thing is the way that the refs are calling the game. And I know that Anthony Davis has a good pump fake and, and is good at getting guys in foul trouble. I really want Nurk to stay on his feet. And then we're going to have Wenyan Gabriel playing at the starting four, I believe. And that's what Dane said he expected. So, I, I, And we all know that Dane can take advantage of the refs as well. So I think it's going to be a ref battle and a, a shooting battle. And I think that the Blazers have better shooting than the Lakers overall. Kyle, your thoughts? I agree a lot. With what Tyler said, I have a couple other thoughts I'd like to add, in particular towards our offensive game plan and how I really think we can put the Lakers in trouble. And I think that the biggest, the the player on our team that needs to step up this mo- the most this series is Nurkic. And I think the reason being is because 
we want Anthony Davis playing on both ends of the floor. So if Nurkic yep. can put McGee in foul trouble early, or whether it's foul trouble or at least score on him a bunch, so they have to you know look for other defensive options. Number one being Anthony Davis. If we have to make Anthony Davis play really hard defensively and offensively, I think that will allow us to maybe take advantage of Anthony Davis maybe passing off the ball a few times as opposed to going up for a shot because he's going to be drained a little bit more. So I think our interior offense is going to be a huge establishment that we need to make because I really do believe that our bigs are better than theirs. I know we're missing Zach, but... I mean, okay, Anthony Davis puts their bigs probably above us, but I really do think we have more. That would have been too hot of a take. Yeah. But I really do think we have, like, I think Nurkic, Hassan, and when Zach gets back, I think they can really try to take advantage down low in this series. And obviously, like, we have the shooting. There's no doubt. I agree with Tyler in the sense that we are the better shooting team. And I think that will get reflected throughout this series because I don't think, well, I do believe Danny Green and Kuzma and all those guys are good shooters. I don't think they are as consistent. So I think there will be opportunities and it won't be every game. They're going to have hot games where, you know, we'll probably drop those games and that's going to suck, but that's how series work. But I do think they will have cold games and our shooting will be superior. So I think having that interior offense is going to be so crucial to us. Um, to get established and not only it'll force us to where we're not only relying on three pointers. So I think if you're relying on three pointers, you're in a little bit of trouble there. And Corey, you had something. To yeah. Add and I love like. that take. And here's, here's a spin zone for you. And I, I think how this game is refereed is going to be critical because a lot of our kind of, you could, you could argue poor defensive efforts. Some might say I, I would never, um, but sometimes bad defense puts you in positions where fouls are, you know, necessary or more evident Whereas if we're looking at a game that's refereed a little more leniently in a more playoff type setting, we might see a game where our Blazers kind of hang in yep. there and kind of hang around yes, and kind of cause a problem for, for a LeBron James who's used to being at home in L.A. where there's home cooking and where they're getting every call and AD is getting, you know, winking at Jack Nicholson in the first row <laughs> after that first yep. alley-oop and stuff. So, you know, we're in the bubble now. We're not, we're not you know, lining up as Rihanna's not coming down the court, you know, yelling at LeBron. We got you know Robocam lining up the sideline, and we got you know Tony Brothers in all his in all his glory, and you know I think that could be a big uh, element to see I how these games take. are refereed. Well, and if anyone can find a vendetta in an empty gym, it's Damian Lillard. So sure. I, I, I sure. think we're I think sure. we're in the right position if we're talking about creating your own motive um, and motivation. I think you you've said it all. You three have. Um, my only note was that I think the only real way we have a a good shot to make this a serious series is by controlling pace. We have to move this game fast. I know they can run, but they're used to playing slower basketball and LeBron wants to hold it in the half court. If we can make this a run and gun shootout, I think we've got a good shot to at least put a little fright into the Lakers. I hope to Mm -hmm. push it six, seven games. And obviously once you get to that point, you have anyone has a chance. And, and our transition defense is actually rated amongst, I think it's, the number 11 transition defense in the NBA. So that would actually be beneficial to us. we're always playing defense in <laughs> transition. We're always playing defense. <laughs> exactly. So that would be good for us. I like that. Hey, see, Scott, can we talk about one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, who do we think is going to match up on Braun? Uh, that, next question. When and so <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly, uh, no one can match up with LeBron in general, but the Blazers are especially ill-equipped as our options are Maria Hazonia, Carmelo Anthony, and Winyan Gabriel. The you know Mario obviously has a little history with blocking LeBron the one time he did, um, and letting everyone in the league know about it for years to come. So you you can always try to maybe get under his skin that way. But I think you're gonna see a lot of weird Carmelo, maybe Zach Collins type matchups. Like I, we have no one to fit that that skill set in general. I mean, our wing defense has been. Uh, a pain spot anyway, and now you're talking about LeBron James, so it yeah. just amplifies that tenfold. I think it's going to be Carmelo hey, in the starting lineup. Um, it has to be. It has to be. Um, I but I in the starting lineup, you think Wenyan? You think Wenyan takes him? Wenyan's at the three, I think. Wow. Oh, okay. okay. Well, okay. that's interesting. Well, but I, I, boys, I do oh, think. I mean, that. they're going to be they're going to be switching throughout. I mean, the, yeah. all three of our bigs are going to be guarding. We're going to do it like so, a, I mean, like a by committee, effort. like a like a yeah. pitching staff who's depleted. I yeah. do think Hazoni is going to have to play a bunch this series and I yeah. I think <sighs> I, you know, say <laughs> what you want about that, but here's what I will say about it is that it le- I every time I watch Mario whether he's playing well or not, 
and there are some other guys on our team that were mentioned earlier that don't do this. At least he's showing me the effort all the time. At least I know when Mario's guarding LeBron, he's True. not going to be backing down. He's going to try. True. And, you know, at defense, a lot of being a good defender is trying. It's putting in the work. And, yes, they're going to make a couple shots on you, but they're also probably going to miss a few if you get a hand up there every time. And I know Mario is going to do his best to do that, and I'm totally fanboying out right now. I'm, be I'm being like Connor Mitchell. I'm finding an excuse as to why we're going to have a chance. But it, it's what we do. I mean, it's what we do. So th that's what I have to say about I Mario. But shit. I do think he is going to be playing a lot more. And it ha he has to. He, he's our only matchup, really. Yep. It's unfortunate because obviously we'd all love to put Gary Trent Jr. out there on LeBron. He's just, I don't think, got the size in this mm. case to affect much. He's mm. just, no one does when you're talking LeBron James. So let's move on to a more friendly topic. That being our favorite Blazer jerseys. This mm. is a quick, Woo! quick, easy one here. Uh, Kyle, I believe you know the guy uh, S Zams on Instagram. Does that, what's his name? Um, Oh man. Oh, uh, Chris Zamblin. Chris yeah. Zamblin. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. So yeah. shout out Chris Zambi, for this yep. question. Zammy. That's what yeah. I, I couldn't, he didn't put his real name anywhere. So Zammy, yeah. we're going to call him. Uh, He's a legend by question. the way. <laughs> oh, I can tell. Shout out Zammy legend. Um, wanted, he wants to know what our favorite blazer Jersey is out of the collection. Um, I'll just go ahead and go first so that you guys don't take mine. I think mine's going to be the white Rip City jerseys. I, I love the, the original white. ones. Oh, yeah. No, the, the ones from this oh, year. The, the, the Nike. cream. Oh. The I cream. like the cream. Sorry, yeah, yeah, excuse yeah. me. The cream gotcha. Rip City, the Nike oh, ones from this year. Those are dope. The old Bitch. Rip City ones are sick, too. But I, yeah. I'm taking the cream ones from this year. I think those look way too clean, and especially when the Blazers are absolutely dominating in them. That gets <laughs> con happy. Anyway, Corey. I know you're a fashion icon of sorts all around the Portland area, or at this least is, in your own head. Yeah, um, yeah definitely so in my can own you head. Go ahead and let us know. I'm not big on the ripped jeans or the you know other stuff, but nonetheless, I will. Uh, this is tough for me because I got I have a, a top five. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna just you have go. a top five. All right, yeah. we'll spit them. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'll I'll give my honorable mentions at the end. I don't want to take any away from you guys. Oh, okay. uh, I'm gonna go with the '90s era black. The, the just the simple red trim with the shadowed numbers we got on the on the wall wow. here. In that is a hizzot of a take. We got right the there. Brian Grant one up in the wall right now. The shadowed numbers, red trim, simple black blazers right across, clean stripes across down to the stripes on the side of the uh, shorts. Big fan. I like going the retro there because those are the ones I I think at the time like even like early jail blazers days I was kind of like. These jerseys are so torn, but it was the team. It wasn't the jerseys because yeah. when I look back and then mm -hmm. I'm picturing like Sheed in that bad boy, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. give me some of that. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, you're repping the CJ McCollum, I believe, the uh, City Edition. Yes, and uh, in fact, it is my favorite jersey con. Not only because that, but it's also don't forget the Bill. This is the '77 Championship jersey right here, boys. Blazers <laughs> down the side, super unique. No oh, other team really fuck has you, Kyle. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying these are clean as shit, and we won a championship <laughs> in them, and I'm so. Glad glad we brought them back they look so good every time we wear them this year they're a little bit more modernized obviously they're not quite as simple as they were back in the day but these shits are money all right i like mm -hmm. that tyler obviously sounds like kyle stole your choice are you agreeing with him on that i'm agreeing well i'm gonna go ahead and pick my own con thank you very much i just sent you guys a text <laughs> of the one that uh you're an independent uh, man <laughs> i'm an independent man god damn it but uh no i'm gonna go with the black jerseys they have now i think the black ones that they the current black uh rips or blazer jerseys that they wear now are clean as hell and I just like the way they look. So I think the Blazers have some of the best jerseys in the NBA. I was you just can call me. Biased. I agree. No, I was I, in all say, sports. They're some of my favorites. Call us biased, but uh, on the top on this topic, thank the good Lord that we got black, red, and white. I mean, that is such yeah, a clean no color combo, and it's going to work with almost anything you pick. Yeah. Oh, did you, I want to hear your honorable mentions? Yeah. Okay, Corey, yeah. you you were obviously did your research. So here. the other ones I have are Dame, the rookie, the Reds from Dame's rookie. Yeah, yeah right yeah. there, right, right back there. there. Yep. 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 Those another, are nice. another great one. I like, I love the black plaids. I think they're a statement. Oh, yes. oh those ones are Why so good. Oh, I forgot edition. about those. Ones. So that's Huge a tie. Fan. Those are good. Yeah. Yeah. Huge fan. Um, you mentioned the white Rip City. I'm not talking about the ones from this year. I'm talking about the ones, I think, uh, I believe, Gerald Wallace era. Yes. Just the very the first Rip City <laughs> ones. Exactly. The yes. vertical yes. down the side. Yeah. And the Wait, Corey just went the Gerald Wallace era. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much we disdain LaMarcus Aldridge what? around these what? parts, apparently. <laughs> I mean, hey, true Blazer fans will understand that era, yeah, though. That like, is now true. Because if I say LaMarcus, like, you're like, wait. Uh, like, Which part? Okay, yeah. No, the Gerald Wallace yeah. era, that actually is. That's Tyler, an era. Who would you define that era with? You have 10 seconds. Gerald Wallace. 
Wes Matthews. Yeah, there's uh, Wes Matthews still, in there. Uh, Robin okay. Lopez. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my last two are just, honestly, I love our standard home white and black right now. I think yeah, that the font is clean. I think they're back to the traditional stripes. I, I love the look that we have. It's unique to the, anybody else in the in the NBA, and I, I think it's just dialed in. But those were kind of the ones I had written down. I, and again, you can't go wrong with the Blazers jerseys. The We've Clyde, got the, the freshest set, I think. What about the, the Clyde league. Blacks? Those ones are pretty money, too. Yeah, I mean, those yeah. Are, they're very similar to the yeah, to the 90s are. era. I, you know, I just, you know, I like what I like. <laughs> I got what I got. Well, um, stupid. All right, let's go ahead and put this episode on ice. That's obviously Tom's topic, and then our free business ad of the week. Tom, Pods Tom. Like we mentioned earlier, not able to join us for this episode. We're sure he's going to be back next week. So this week you get Khan's topic, of course. Khan's topic this week, it's a little bit of a debate, and I'm going to set a timer because I know this one could get contentious. Wouldn't be a Khan topic without a little debate. Without a little (laughs) debate, and I'll try to refrain. But here's the question. Anyone can go ahead and yell their name first, and they get an answer. Is a burger classified as a sandwich to oh you. my god kyle i'm going first hell no it is not a sandwich no, it is not a sandwich it's in its own category oh it's a hamburger there is no way you will Corey, ever ever you convince say something so brave and yet so, so wrong obviously no. obviously you have a disagreement here what, what are your thoughts okay, hamburger so, is a sandwich. so someone so if you're like hey let's go get a sandwich you're gonna all of a sudden in your mind think oh yeah that means burger too no you're gonna Corey, think like hear... subway jimmy john's like no a rebuttal Corey. no 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 I, I can't even fathom how <laughs> stupid that take is. I, I get the whole hot dog argument and being like, oh, it's sideways, the bun is it Like, there's levels to this stuff, but I, like a cheese, <laughs> I just, it's, the, it's a half a degree of difference. Well, and, and Tyler. Yeah, but it's different. And it's Tyler, different. something that well, so, so, we so where do you draw the line? You, you have, a, you have a, uh, a sub from Jimmy John's and a sub from Firehouse, but the meat is warm, so it's still a sandwich. No, but, no, no, no. But if you make that meat, if you make that meat even warmer, then it's a burger. No, 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 and no, no, it's no, no, fucking no. game it over. It is sliced completely. A burger, Corey, okay. is totally. I'm aware of what Tyler, a burger is. Tyler, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, fellas, yeah. Tyler, Ty, I want to go to you here because Ty is the expert. Tyler, something we haven't heard either of these two really define yet. What is the definition of a sandwich? Is it something between two pieces of bread? Is it, I mean, what's the definition of a sandwich and where do you fall when it comes to burgers? I don't think I should have to define what a sandwich is. If you think of a sandwich, it's probably a cold cut, you know, like a turkey, a ham, a roast beef. Corey, you can fuck off. It's yeah, burger. Oh, yeah yes. it's a burger. Oh, yes, it, it, it's a Let's cheeseburger. Go. It's a hamburger. What? what it, it's its own category. A you burger is totally, but totally. I, I want to go with Corey here in a, in the sense of. So where's the line? What do you mean that's a cold cut? So what's a grilled cheese? Sandwich. Why? Why is that a sandwich and a burger's not? What if I want a burger remove the meat? I think because the here's here. Okay, I think. What I if have I want it. a burger remove the meat? So Tyler. here's the thing: when when you when we say the word <laughs> hamburger, vegetarian. right? We're saying in the name <laughs> burger, so it's clearly a differentiator. You know what I mean? I think that is the differentiator. Is you're saying hamburger but cheese I'm burger? So, like, but I'm so saying, it's but not I'm called saying, a it's not called a ham a ham sandwich. So, no, know, but it's, it's called a burger. A gr- okay, so Corey. So here, if you were if you were looking at a menu. And it said, and, and under the the title of said section was sandwiches, and there was a burger underneath. You would go to the waitress and be like, "Excuse me." No, I would not do that. So, but, but I will say, I was you, you, you would think, that, you would think it was misidentified. Well, it sounds like you would do that. I you, was just at a restaurant where the burgers were in a separate section than the sandwiches. I think that clarifies. That's well, so, so I have a question because Kyle, you said the burger. It's in the name. So what I'm. My question is, then what's a grilled cheese? That's just in the cheese section? Well, because it's called a grilled cheese sandwich. No, know it's know just I mean? a grilled cheese. What about no, a... but it's called a grilled... Like when you no, li- no, there's no official definition <laughs> yeah, that says you have to add the word sandwich. What about a burger with I'm ham on it? a wrinkle in this debate. And, and what it's about a, a BLT with lettuce as the buns? Is that a sandwich? Well, no, I'm not a Or is that a salad? What about lettuce wraps? What about not lettuce wraps? Not a sandwich. Lettuce wraps are its own category. That's what its own category. Hot dogs? Hot dogs are not a sandwich. Not a sandwich. Tyler, what? Common sense, boys. Thank no, you, thank you Tyler. Well, well, Tyler, and, uh, it's anarchy uh, in here right now, Tyler. No, I'm heated. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually, I might heated. be going against myself right now because I'm going to throw something. I'm going to throw a wrench in this conversation. <laughs> I have seen patty melts. Patty melts under the sandwich section. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so are you telling me that the bun is the I differentiator? Would, I would argue the bun is the difference. The distinction. Dif- yes, whatever that word is. Yeah, you're good. Differentiate. Thanks. Yeah, 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 no. So, Tyler, Tyler, is that what you're telling me? It's the bun, not the burger. Against even though you guys have all said it's the meat, it's the meat, it's the meat, it's the meat. And now you're gonna switch your argument to Corey, bun. You guys meat. are wafflers. I, Fuck. Why don't I just make a waffle sandwich out of you guys? Before we go to the Corey, ads, because I know it's what you're sandwich. about to do. Uh, <laughs> do it. There's one thing I wanted to bring up in this podcast, and it's from a previous take from Corey on this podcast. Uh, Garrett Trent Jr. <laughs> can we can we uh, reconcile this? Can we reconcile yeah. the Garrett Trent Jr. Court's take? Open. 
Go, go say what you want to say. No, 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 I, no. I'm letting you. I'm giving well, can you, you. remind this us? This is a how little generous bit. of you, a podcast. Can you remind I'm us? Giving of... you the opportunity to change your mind right now. Can you fill us in real quick on what Corey said in his previous? I, I don't he have was the anti Gary Trent. He, he wasn't anti Gary Trent. I don't want to say that, but he basically threw Gary Trent into the category of like the the Seth Curry's the the guy the Shabazz Napier was the guy he mentioned. He said he's a Shabazz Napier s player where he comes to Portland, has some success, goes and signs elsewhere for a little bit more money, and doesn't do anything. I have a. I'm giving you the opportunity to change your mind on that take that is uh around what i said that's similar you're you're paraphrasing a little bit and yes. the conversation <laughs> was largely centered around uh who we'd rather have anthony simons or gary trent jr for the long term uh my take was that anthony simons has a higher ceiling um, does it remain and that gary trent again was a was a player who was very nice had some developing to do but i didn't see his ceiling as being as high gary trent jr since has Shoney has a hell of a lot of dog in him and is a, a real uh, a real valuable piece and a real valuable teammate um, on this team. I'm still not giving up on Anthony Simons. That being said, I undervalued Gary Trent Jr. in my initial take in saying that he was going to be a guy who we would probably trade or he would ask for more, mo- for more money. I'm hoping that he sticks around because I love what he brings. And I refuse to say that I was wrong. But if I am wrong, <laughs> and, if, and, if you, and if you decide to put it that way, that's just me being selfless and saying that, you know, my bad take is in betterment of the Blazers. Even when I'm wrong, it's better for the team. So I'm happy to do that. Honestly, it takes a big man to admit it, and here I am. <laughs> um, you'll never big admit that you're guy. wrong, but it takes a big Thank man. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you. No, that, that was a good response. I, was, yeah, I, just, I just wanted to, yeah. Satisfies <laughs> us. All right, let's wrap this show up with our free business ads of the week. Um, Tyler, I'm going to go to you first, because I know you probably got family dinner, something to go to as you are on vacation. Hit us with your free business ad. <laughs> uh, you really got to do me like that, huh? Uh, no, but I'm out here. It's a, it's a nice monday uh tomorrow it's gonna be tuesday a work day and i will be golfing i will be golfing at widgie creek golf course and it's one of the best golf courses out here in bend oregon i must tell you guys and and guess what in 2006 it won best course in 2006 best course in bend i will be there tomorrow will be posting about it on the backyard blazers instagram hey all backyard blazers on instagram all backyard blazers on instagram um, and I will probably be shooting a hundred. Tyler, Love can it. I sign you up for something on social media tomorrow? Yes, you can follow at backyard blazers on Instagram. If Tyler didn't make that clear enough and he will post an over and under, yes. you can bet against five people can bet. Yes. Against. Love I, it. Love like, it. And like three bucks, three that. bucks a person. And if it, you know, Tyler, you can pick over under more if Tyler you want will set a fair line and yep. he's not a cheater more if you want. And Tyler agrees, nope. but you got to reach out you to can. at backyard blazers on Instagram and follow along on our story to participate. So, Look for that. Tyler's going to be competing. Not illegal? Who knows? Nah, yeah, it, don't be afraid to we're deeming it legal. Um, <laughs> I declare it legal. <laughs> I declare it. I, and, and no one can argue because I declared it. I declared so, it. I, yeah. it. <laughs> I did hear I did hear you declare it, and I'm no longer concerned. Okay, so Tyler, free business out of the week is for Wedgie Creek, and then as well as everyone's wallets, because we know you're going over. Um, Kyle. Or no, I'll save Kyle. I know you got your cold take. So, Corey. Free business out of the week. Do you have one you want to plug the uh, maybe your own business? I'm going to plug like the best architectural sheet metal business in the Northwest, <laughs> and many would say the country, though the stats are unproven, the financials are unproven. But compared for all of your sheet metal needs, commercial, domestic, industrial, call TTNL Sheet Metal based out of Beaverton, Oregon. All the benefits of a small business with the capabilities of a bigger business. Uh, really, nothing we can't do. All with the love and charm. Of a family business. By the way, am I still under warranty? Because I have a leak in my... No, I'm just <laughs> with you. I was like, oh my God, really? <laughs> no, not. Uh, absolutely not. I've never had an issue and I've gotten tons of things roofed. So uh, <laughs> I just want to endorse that. Nice. So Kyle, want to go to you here. The Coors Light cold take. Coors Light frost brewed cold Sorry, take of the week. I'll get Connor. it down one of these days. Name another beer that's frost brewed bottle cold and has blue as the mountains on their can. You can't. <laughs> it cannot be done. But Damn, I'm going to be honest, boys. You? It was. I was getting a little worried towards the end of this podcast because I was like, I didn't hear a lot of cold takes, so shout out to everyone with their good takes as podcast. But then we came to the Blazer jersey discussion and Corey Van Dalma decides to drop the 90s black, which, come on, those are like the most simple, boring jerseys we've ever had in our lives. Like, like Connor's laughing. I feel like he's in agreement with me over it's here. It's called taste. 
I mean, I guess you can argue the simplicity. I know some people like the simple college football uniforms. They they love tradition in that sense. But I mean, dude, we've had so many swagger unis. I'm 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 going with that. And it's, I I had to stretch for that cold take. So everyone, great job on the actual basketball that, talk. That jersey take reminded me of like when someone goes into the supermarket and all they walk out with is a box of triscuits and it's like oh yeah triscuits are <laughs> solid they're yeah, crunchy or like a bag of lays no, without the charcuterie no the lays would no. have a ton of salt <laughs> and it would be perfect <laughs> crackers however the triscuits trisket. triscuits are great for charcuterie they stand up in any dip any meat how dare you unsurprising <laughs> to see you take the side of triscuits here late in the podcast unbelievable Black pepper triscuits. Right. So good. cold take was Corey with the uh, 90s blazers jerseys my uh, out of the the week is going to go to the best road trip snack in any gas station. That is oh. combos. Oh, nice. You know yeah. how it is. You, everyone knows I'm obsessed with combos. The perfect uh, crunchy pretzel outside with the curiously delicious paste inside. They come in so many varieties of flavors. I'm talking buffalo wing and blue cheese. I'm talking pizzeria. Even a little bit of spicy must honey mustard in there. And yes, for all of you that like a little hot in your mouth, they've got jalapeno. Check out combos. <laughs> you know I do. <laughs> you know I do. Uh, I think it's time to go with that. Follow at Backyard Blazers on Twitter and Instagram. Again, we'd love to hear for you. Take your bets with Tyler's round tomorrow at Wedgie Creek. Follow along at Backyard Blazers. Until next week, go Blazers. Go Blazers. Go Blazers. Peace. I was obsessed with Rocky. When I was a kid, I'd come home every day, and I would fast forward with the little VHS tapes to round 14. When Apollo Creed beat the fucking shit out of Rocky, beat the shit out of him, he kept fighting. He was a dumb fighter. That was me. Couldn't read, couldn't write. Apollo beat the shit out of him. He was in that corner. Everybody was saying, stay the f*** down. And him getting up, him getting up, Apollo Creed raised his arms up in the air, turned around, thought he wouldn't fight. He turns around and sees this guy getting up, and it was the face of Apollo Creed that changed my life. The face of Apollo Creed. It was like... Just by that mother getting up, not winning, just by him getting the f up, Rocky had taken his soul. His head goes down. He looks at him like, what the f are you? But said, this mother is going to keep coming after whatever the f is in front of him. I want it to be that. Here's Blake to Roy. This is for the the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Lillard got it.